Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. You know, you've heard a lot about, you know, the benefits of cannabis. That's the reason why right now we have 37 states in the District of Columbia that have some form of medical cannabis or adult cannabis uses rules on the books. And there are lots of anecdotal stories out there about the benefits of cannabis. Fortunately, there is a lot of science being conducted right now. A lot of research being conducted to see if some of the anecdotal stories can be verified through double-blind studies or through clinical trials. But the anecdotal stories cannot be ignored. Um, I've been a strong believer that, you know, I think science ought to do a little bit more work investigating anecdotal stories or what they consider ends of one. That's a term that's used in science when something happens and they really can't explain it, but it happened, so they consider it an N of one. And you've heard a lot about ends of one when it comes to cannabis. You've heard stories about children who have miraculously seemed to have been, I'll use this term only once, cured from epilepsy because they use cannabis. Or you've heard stories of people who have been cured, I'm using that term lightly, uh, from cancer and other things because they've used cannabis. But until hard scientific research confirms that statement, we are really hard-pressed to be able to use the term cure. We can say anecdotes. We can say that we have seen in this story or that story a particular development that appears to have, you know, in a case where a person's used cannabis and had tried other treatment modalities and none of those worked, but all of a sudden they use cannabis and it seems to work. There are stories like this all over the world that doctors can't even explain. So today, I want to bring you a story that I w- it, it, a person reached out to us and said, let me tell my story to your listeners because I want them to understand what I've been through and what it, what, I, what doctors said to me and what has happened since I started using cannabis. We are not in any way, shape, or form trying to tell anyone out there that we are doctors. We are not trying to prescribe. We are not trying to say that what we're presenting is valid, 100% validated research. But what we are saying is that in this case, there was a diagnosis, a prognosis, treatments that all seem to be going in the wrong direction. And then the patient decided to utilize cannabis and almost miraculously started going in the other direction. You be the judge as to whether or not this is something that you want to reach out for for yourself. But I would suggest to you that even after hearing the story, one of the things that we all need to do when it comes to cannabis and cannabis use is research. There have been over 35,000 peer-reviewed published documents in the last 10 years on cannabis, covering a myriad of modalities and illnesses where people have found and gotten benefit from cannabis, whereas they've used other medications and they've gotten no benefit whatsoever. I am not here to judge. 
And don't think that you should judge or anybody should judge the validity of what a person says when it comes to their own medical issues and what they've gone through. My guest today was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and given a prognosis of three to five years to live. And that was back in 2009. It's now 2022 and she's still here. She underwent traditional cancer treatment for years, only to have the cancer return time after time until treatment stopped working all together. She tried to try cannabis as a last resort, even though it was not legal in her home state. She's here today to share a story along with her caregiver, Christine Kelly. Welcome and thank you so much for being on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And I'm, I, I apologize if any way, shape or form that uh, my open made you feel uncomfortable. But unfortunately, here today in this society that we live in, we can't give out information that's medically based in any way, shape, or form. We can't give that out, even though we have what you've lived through as proof and validity. We can't say that that's true, but we can just say, listen to this story and understand what has happened. But thank you so much for wanting to be on to share this because so many others need to understand that you know, there are so many people who have been given, you know, I mean, let me tell you, I, I recognize, Christy, what you went through when a doctor looked you in the face and said, you only have three to five years to live. I mean, I had a doctor look me in the face when I was diagnosed with MS and said, you'll be in a wheelchair in four years. Really? Life experience. The first one was, this is your last Christmas, seven years ago. That That's absolutely ridiculous. Let's, let's start at the beginning. What symptoms did you have, or what what drove you to go to the doctor to be di- to be diagnosed in the first place? Mine's a crazy situation. I had a hysterectomy. I begged to have my ovaries out, but I was too young, so they made me keep them. And when they made me keep them, within eighteen months, I had twenty five pounds of ovarian tumors removed from my abdomen, and it was. Sudden, didn't see it coming. I had had fertility issues, so cramping was not unusual. And then when we found it was cancer, they said it's stage 3C. Well, cancer only comes in four stages. So the prognosis was three to five years. For the first six years, every 18 months was another round of chemo. And sometimes the chemo was 36 hours in the hospital with a crazy bed dance and IVs everywhere. The next time it would be two medicines in an office for six hours at a time. My health issues just continue to get worse and worse. I was fortunate. I lived with my mom so that I was able to raise my two daughters. And I call it raising them. I was there to watch, but I couldn't participate. I was too sick. In 2015, they said, your chemo's not working. You're out of options. We're sending you home to hospice. And when they sent me home to hospice, it was with the understanding, we're just going to keep you comfortable. They gave my mother Halidol and morphine injections to medicate me if I got out of control. Then I said, well, I'm just going to keep my cannabis. The doctor said, you can't have your cannabis and have our treatment. I said, then you're fired. Get out of my house. My parents, my children. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down, slow down for just a second. 
you had not, let, let's go back. When you were first diagnosed and they put you through treatment protocols of chemotherapy every 18 months, you were not using cannabis. Intermittently, intermittently. They prescribed to me Marinol. And to this day, I'm prescribed Marinol. That gives me a legal right to have THC in my system in my state. Doesn't mean Marinol works best for me. I've always had access, but I never used it as a medicine until they told me that everything else was over. When they told me my only choice was opiates, my family decided that wasn't an option for us. We decided cannabis was how I wanted to die. It was the only way I could eat. I have abdominal cancer. Digestion is painful. And I still have issues with it. I was able to smile. I wasn't angry. I wasn't over-medicated. I wasn't doing things I didn't know. I can control myself on my cannabis because it's a medicine. I'm not going to a party. I'm somebody's mom. And that's what offends me is when people say it's a party drug. Well, you know, so are all the other things you're misusing out there. If you treat it like a medicine, then it acts like a medicine. Okay, well, before, before we get into the design, I really want to lay the groundwork so people understand what you went through when you were first diagnosed. And let's talk a little bit about that, because I'm going to have some people who, who will probably watch this podcast who may be in the similar situation. So when you were first diagnosed and they decided to do the hysterectomy, you went in because you were having some issues with your cycle. My hysterectomy was before ovarian cancer. Okay. My hysterectomy was prior to. And why did um, you yes, have I had had fertility issues and I had had six pregnancies, two live children, just issues my whole life. And my last child actually perforated my uterus. So they did the hysterectomy due to pain. Well, I okay. begged them to and, take and the what, reason they didn't. Yeah, because I mean, isn't it now pretty much a standard procedure now that when they do a hysterectomy and they do take the uterus, they do take the ovaries along with it? Don't they it do depends. That? I'm not a candidate for hormone replacement therapy. I also have an issue with blood clots. So that cancels out the treatment it, that you would normally get if you forced yourself into menopause in your 30s. So that's why they didn't want to take the ovaries. Then within two years, those same ovaries had 25 pounds of tumor on them. And the way I found out was I had a period and I didn't have the equipment to have a period. So I went to the ER and the ER doctor found tumors. Gotcha. Then they diagnosed you right then with ovarian cancer. Right. Within a couple of weeks, I was in surgery and I came out of surgery, did six months of chemo that I was in the hospital three days at a time, every two weeks. And I couldn't function. I mean, it was it was a big deal to get a shower. That was probably the hardest task of the day, getting clean. And And back then again, at this time, the prognosis wasn't that great. Three to five years best. 18 months later. I, I mean, I did my chemo. I did. Um, I recovered from chemo for 18 months and it was back. And they said, oh, your cancer's back. We're going to we'll do surgery. Then they said, no, you're not a candidate for surgery. We'll do chemo. And then I went through chemo again. 18 put months in, later. Put it in remission. Like, that, that second time you went through chemo, did it put it in remission? 
Did you no. have the diagnosis? No, it wasn't. It came back. I'm still not in remission. I have active right. growing cancer right now. But on the cannabis, when I cut out the chemicals and went all natural, then suddenly my body slowed everything down to such a pace that I'll go years and there'll be minimal amounts of growth so small that my doctor doesn't count it as growth. Okay, well, okay, so you went through that second round, it came back. And then a third round. Third round came back. 2014 was my last chemo. Okay, but now that's when they put you in hospice. Yes, 2015, from 14 to 15, I was in chemo for a full year with no change in the size of the tumors. It was doing nothing but making me sick. And so when I stopped chemo, they put me immediately into hospice. And, and at this my point, family time, gathered had, around. It was it was hard. But at this point in time, you have been using cannabis a little bit. Yeah, occasionally. I mean, I'm in an illegal state. It's not like I had people I could go ask their questions I needed answered. All I could do was if somebody showed up and had something, there it was. Got so it, it so wasn't then- like it became later. Later. My dad stepped in. I'll be honest. My dad brought the cannabis to the house where I lived with my mom and my kids. We had a family meeting and we just decided the pills were killing me faster than the disease. We would try the pipe and suddenly I could eat and suddenly I was happy and suddenly I could move around. And yes, the cancer has come back. But it came back with a shell around it where it couldn't spread or grow and surfaced from my lung to my skin. And it was picked out last year in a minor procedure. So right now, I mean, when it, again, this started in 2009? Yes. You were given three to six back then, so that was in 2015. Right. So- and then I, went to, I did everything that modern medicine asked me to do from 2009 into 2015. That's six years, okay? From 2015 until today, that's seven years. I've been on cannabis. Today, remember I told you I was so weak that I could barely take a shower? Today, I spend 14-hour days taking care of my two-year-old grandson by myself and his seven chickens and his two dogs and his kitty cat. I help my daughter with her housework. I take care of my own home and my three dogs by myself for the most part, all because God had a different plan. Medicine didn't work for me. I gave it a fair shake. It didn't work. God had a different plan and provided a plant that he knew when he created it could do what needed to be done. And then he sent people into my path to teach me how to do it the correct way. And how do you consume cannabis? Do you eat it? Do you vape it? Do you smoke it? Uh, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Great. In honor of you, we're infusing dinner tonight. We're having um, bourbon cream scallops with infused mixed vegetables and a balsamic glaze. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and 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 just so for people who are tuning, I mean. You did when you got off the chemo, but just getting off the chemo by itself would make you feel better. Yes. But then you started consuming as large quantities. How much do you think you consume a day? Um, not as much as you think. Now, in the beginning, there's different levels. If you're fighting cancer, 
If I know my cancer's growing because I know my body better than my doctor. If I feel off, I will smoke more. But for the most part, I measure out um, coconut oil, cannabis oil, and add it to my coffee in the morning and in my dinner. And that's all I need. And with that, I'm fully functional. I'm not like people picture. And that's what messes people up when I go and talk about it. No, I'm not what you picture me as. I can actually carry on a coherent conversation and still be medicated. And how did your doctors react to this? Because, I mean, first of all, I can imagine I mean, you're seeing a doctor now, but I mean. I voluntarily, voluntarily continued all monitoring from the time I stopped medical treatment until today. I go Friday for a new scan. And I'm doing that because even though I may not be a true clinical trial or a clinical study in my area, my doctors have the documentation, the knowledge, and everything that I have done along the way in their records so that once they're able to treat patients, they have something to refer to. Gotcha. And what do your doctors say? Are they, are they, do they think, well, it's just, you know, you just lucked out? I've had my doctor around. look at me with tears running down his face and say, I wish I could do this for my other patients. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name's Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. And do they, are they crediting the cannabis use for what is being saved in your life? Um, Because of their position and where we are, they can't write it in my records as such. But face to face, when they're treating me as their patient, they will look at me and say, whatever you're doing, don't stop. how How are you feeling now? You said that you're not really in remission you have a growing cancer in you now. However, it's not metastasizing, correct? It is metastasizing. It's moved from my ovaries. The last one was taken out of my chest. And um, that was confirmed ovarian cancer in my chest. It does grow. I do have, I have days that are harder than others, but I have days that are almost normal. And it's a fluctuation. If, if I'm having active cancer growth, I'll call people like Kelly and say, okay, I need help. I've got these three dogs and I can't do it. And Kelly, you've stepped stepped in to be Christy's caregiver in a way, right? Yes. um, We actually went to high school together and I did not know her um, until about three years ago. Um, I'm a holistic doctor. um, And so I'm not practicing right now, but she did find out that I was in Nashville, same town as her, close to it. 
And so, and I've, I've had several cancer patients in the past, including my ex-husband that, like you said earlier, we don't use the word cure, but he had leukemia and I treated him with natural medicines. He didn't do cannabis, but he did different things. And so I'd been sending Christy some of my recommendations and we just became friends and she needs a caregiver and, and a shoulder crown as well as we all do. And so I'm here for her and she's here for me. And we're just trying to get through this together. Well, we will. I'm not going to give out because I don't want you to fear of uh, being persecuted by local law enforcement. However, you're in a state, don't say the state, but you're in a state where cannabis has not been made legal yet for either adult use or medical use. Um, but I also, I, um, I visit your state quite often um, and know that it is readily available in your state. Um, and, and how hard is it for you to come across medication? Well, you say, Montel, I'm the proof. I'm the proof of what growers on the West Coast believe in. I'm the proof of what they work for every day and why they do what they do. So most of my stuff is donated just because I prove their theories. You know, but uh, at the same time, you know, you, you, you are, are you in fear of the fact that at any moment, you know, somebody can come down on your head there? I mean, no, not where I'm at. No, if I was to leave where I'm at, I might be afraid, but where I'm at, no, I'm perfectly safe. Okay. That's the thing. I'm honest. I don't lie and I don't hide. If you ask me, I'll tell you the truth straight out and I get respect for that. But I'm an exception. Well, you are, I will say, in what we call an N of one, which means that, you know, this has worked for you, whereas some other people may not get the same efficaciousness out of the product that you get. Um, are you on any other cancer medications right now? No. So the only thing you no are using. No cancer meds, no pain meds, no meds. I don't take chemicals. The worst thing I do is no spray. Gotcha. And you are, uh, you've changed your diet. Other things that you're doing to help? I do. Um, I'm going closer to keto now. Um, for years, my digestion was so bad, I could only eat potatoes and pasta. And I swelled up and I have a me- metabolic disorder along with it. So I lost control of my weight and that's just driven me crazy. So now my current challenge is cooking keto and I actually prefer the food. So it's a process. I'm going to the gym now. I go to the gym three days a week and I may not do what others consider a workout, but it's forming the habit and it's making the change and it's making it comfortable that that's where I want to be. So that as I grow, I can continue to get stronger. And Kelly, I mean, uh, you are working with other people other than Christy, or you said you're not working as a holistic doctor now? Correct. Um, I had a I had a clinic back um, from my hometown where we went to school together, and I treated multiple patients, including medical doctors. Um, I'm not going to name names, but um, several. And my ex-husband, like I said, he had leukemia and he is in, he's been in remission for eight years now. And I do things like colloidal silver, uh, coral calcium. Um, I have a lot of musician friends that have issues. I'm the allopathic alternative to a doctor. I mean, I have the NMD degree, but I'm like, when they've got 
no hope left, that's when they come to me. And it's kind of weird because I've had allopathic doctors that have come to me with their issues and I have a machine that will um, identify different issues. And so, and then I put them on a regimen of vitamins or supplements or greens. I mean, I've gotten, you know, frozen greens from Florida for my ex-husband along with multiple other things. And I've had a lot of success. And so when I found out about Christy living near me um, and us going to school together and didn't even know each other, um, I kind of got involved and wanted to help. Um, That's kind of my thing is I, I love to help people and she's a great person and it's turned into a great friendship and, here we are. Have you noticed any other stories like hers? Um, I do know of some that do the same thing. And yes, I, I do know that it, it it's a great alternative to, to the allopathic drugs. Why do you, why do you think that, especially in, in your state, I, I, I've been <clears throat> hoping that your state would, would have passed last year, the year before, and it just seems to be such a battle against it in, in, in a state where it's so prevalent. <clears throat> what do you think is holding it back in your state? Stubborn, hard-headed men that should have been car salesmen <laughs> instead of politicians. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I've yep. been to Capitol Hill, and I've I've advocated. I've been an advocate, and then COVID hit, and I couldn't go back. So. Yeah, I've talked to the ones I talked to turned, turned their vote. They voted after they met me and I presented my medical records that are undeniable. And I gave them the proof in their hands that they couldn't dispute. When they took the vote that day, they turned and voted in my favor. And I had one that was an absolute, I'm not going to say yes, turn around and say yes. But I'm not always healthy enough to make that hike up to Capitol Hill because it's a long one. And I haven't been as involved in that part as I want to be because when COVID hit, we couldn't go to the Capitol and watch votes. It's kind of been hard getting back to the same group that participated together before. Do you think that your state's going to eventually pass at least a medical marijuana, a medical bill? I think federal is going to pass first. You really do? Do you think federal is going to pass first? We just failed a vote last week. A vote just was done last week. So they said it's off the table for 2022. So it would be next year before they vote again. That's insane. Uh, you know, I, I honestly thought that your state was going to pass this year. And, um, and I did too, but the vote, they did it. Mississippi and did. I mean, Mississippi passed a medical cannabis law. It's crazy. Yeah. At the, and I mean, we were the last for everything. We were the last for liquor by the drink. We were the last for lottery. We're going to be the last for everything. We'll be the last for In-N-Out Burger once they finally make a chain out of it. Got it. Which is already a chain, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sad thing is, too is it could be taxed and it would be safer coming from a dispensary versus coming from who knows where I did have a friend or not actually a friend, but a a colleague that um, got a bad batch and it had fentanyl in it. And so just like any of the other drugs that are coming across wherever and every state, if they were to legalize it, it would be, you would go to a dispensary and it would already be tested 
And so it would be like going to Kroger pharmacies or Walgreens or whatever to get your prescriptions filled instead of buying them off the streets. And so it just, it really doesn't make sense. I know that in my family, I lost my nephew to a fentanyl overdose. And I know that if I know personally, if he had access to cannabis, he would be alive today. We, we know that nationally. We know that, that, uh, you know, and if I go to my medical doctor, my option right now is opiates. That's all he can give me. And that hurts him. He would love to be able to offer his patients what I'm doing to stay away from that. And he can't. Well, Christy, I got to say, I can't say enough, but thank you enough for being on the show today and sharing your story with so many. If people wanted to hear more about that, do you have a website or are you up online or what? I'm sort of, I've started TikTok and YouTube under Hospice to Healed. And I put a few things up like a video here and there, or I do living room karaoke. I have issues. So if you want to hear what a bored cannabis patient who lives alone sounds like on a Friday night. Yeah. I will annoy the neighbors to know him. <laughs> That's great. And where do they go to get hear that? What, what's your website? Um, it's hospice to healed. And it's one word hospice to healed. And it's on YouTube or TikTok, either one. Okay. All right. Well, look, I, I, we wish you well. I hope that this journey, um, you know, stays as successful as it's been for you. And I also hope that eventually your state passes so that you don't have to be in the shadows, but you can be out in the open and get your medication from a valid dispensary. It's not as much as I'm, I want to be out in the open about what I do because I'm I don't hide it as it is. It's more that I'll be able to help counsel people who are facing all the negatives that I had to face alone. Gotcha. Well, I thank you so much for what you do. And Kelly, thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know, uh, you have a home here. We want to keep up with what's going on with you. So send us an email every now and then. Let me know how you're doing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And then make sure you tune in to the next edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montau. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news 
and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.